what we're going to do right now, uh, we do a couple times a year. We have what we call family talk, and it's um, just this, this one is focused on the church's finances, and um, th- that's because we're entering our new budget year. And in 2020, we shifted from a calendar budget year, which would run from January to December. We switched to a a more of an operational budget year from September through August. And uh, for us, that's, you know, that's when our planning happens. It starts in September and then runs through August. And so it makes it more consistent with, you know, how we actually uh, view the year. But as well, it, uh, it pushes um, all of the budget work into the summer rather than happening in November and December, which is our busiest uh, staff time of the year. And um, then third reason uh, we, we made this change was that if, if, you, if your budget does run low, your budget line, it's easier to cut back in the summer than it is to cut back in the fall, which again is our busiest uh, time of year. And so we just completed the budget process, uh, went through that uh, in August, and just met with our accountants. We have an outside accounting firm that uh, we work with and went through the whole thing with them. And so we thought this would be a good time to talk about it. And uh, having just completed the process, we completed last year. And I I have to tell you that uh, last year did not end well. And, uh, you know, financially, it was not, um, we, we did not come out of the year in a strong financial position as a church. And uh, different reasons for that. Um, one is that um, in 2020, we had our Kingdom Pursuit Conference in October of 2020. And with COVID being uh, the, the, the big thing happening right then, we considered canceling it. Because we thought, you know, we weren't, we were going to probably lose money on it. But uh, we really felt certain that God was telling us that we should go ahead with the conference and do it, even though we knew we were going to lose money, and we did, lost a lot of money on the conference. But um, by that, I mean, you know, our intent is always a conference like that. We want to have pay for itself, and this one did not. And so that took a big chunk of our uh, cash reserves that we had to do that. But don't, I, we don't look back and regret that. We felt certain God was speaking to us, telling us, to have that conference at that time, and um, so we did. Now, as well, we had a um, some work on the building that uh, we have always had an emergency fund to do work like this, but this pretty much depleted the emergency fund. Uh, we had a, an HVA system, H, HVAC, part of our HVAC system uh, went uh, out, and we had to replace it. And so that was another big chunk of cash that we had to expend. And then a third factor is it relates to planting a church. Uh, if, if you're new here, you may not know this, but we just this month sent a group of people to plant a new vineyard in Finneytown. And uh, that's a privilege on our part. That's an exciting thing for us to do. That's part of our mission is to multiply. And uh, discipleship is always about multiplication, about you, whatever God's done in you, you're going to multiply that in someone else's life. And churches as well need to multiply. And so that, that takes a lot of money to, you know, to plant a church. And um, I mean, we send a lot of people, a, a lot of givers that are going with the church plant. And many of them started giving last year, midway through the year. So that hit our uh, 2020, 2021 budget. 
And now this year we'll lose a, a lot of money because these people are there giving, which is what they should be doing is giving to the Finneytown Church. And again, no regrets. We're excited. It's a privilege we get to do that, but it's just part of the reality of where we are. And now myself, well, let me say this. Let me conclude that, that, that thought with this. Uh, we have a new budget, and we've had to cut a lot of things out of it, uh, a lot of things that the staff uh, wanted to do that they thought would be a great thing for their area of ministry to move things ahead. And we just, we just had to say you know, no to that and, and, and cut a lot of stuff out. And um, personally, that's, it's, it weighs on me personally. I know it weighs on the other leaders too and our trustees. Uh, you know, for the last month, maybe two, I've been looking at this all, pondering it. Um, when, I, when I go through periods where there's a lot on my mind, I get to sleep okay at night, but I wake up real early. And so I've spent a lot of mornings in the last month or two sitting out uh, watching the sun rise and um, just waking up early thinking about these things and really praying and really trying to discern, you know, did we mess up? You know, did I mess up as a leader? Uh, did, you know, should I have said no to this and this and this when I said yes to different things? And, uh, you know, that weighs on you, weighs on me anyway. And the simple answer is, of course, we made mistakes. You know, you, you, we'll never do everything perfectly. But I can tell you that, in all honesty, we really do pray. We really do track with the vision God's given us, and we try to pursue that vision. And so we make decisions based upon uh, where, where God's leading us and the best we can discern what the next thing is to do to move that direction. Now, what came to me was this. Last Wednesday night, this whole season of kind of like introspection and, and wondering if there was some big thing we could have done to avoid hitting a financial crunch right now. And it came to me last uh, Wednesday night during the prophetic class. I was sitting right here, which is a great class, by the way. Mike is teaching, and this just came to me, that uh, Jesus told the apostles in one occasion to get into a boat and to go across the Sea of Galilee. And he said he would meet them there on the other side, okay? So they were told, cross the lake. They get halfway across the lake right in the middle, and a huge storm comes down. And a big storm where they think the boat's going to sink and they're all going to drown. And a a lot of fear and anxiety on their part. Now, knowing these guys, I could imagine as they're bailing the boat out, I can really see Peter yelling, uh, uh, yelling so he could be heard above the roar of the wind at another disciple and saying, I told you we should have rowed harder. You were just sitting there. You weren't doing, if we had rowed harder, we would have made it, we would have beat the storm, beat the other side. And, um, or someone blaming one of the other guys because he had to go to the bathroom and, you know, you held us up for 20 minutes. What the heck did you eat yesterday? If, if we had got to leave earlier, we would have made it across. But the one that I, I like best was this. I can see them saying, we should have stuck close to the shore. We should have known there could be a storm coming, and we don't want to be in the middle of the lake during a storm. We should have stuck close to the shore. That would have taken us longer, but we would have made it, and we could have just pulled off, off the, the lake, and we would have been safe. And um, that whole idea of playing it safe 
is a key thought in my life. I think it is in this church's life as well. Because, um, well, there was a time when God spoke to me about that, playing it safe. And I was, we came here, I was pastoring a different church here in Cincinnati, and we're having a lot of difficulty over the fact that I believe the Holy Spirit speaks to people today, and I talked about that from the front a lot. And it made a certain group of people very upset in the church, and that created great turmoil and pain in that church's life. And um, all I had to do was stop talking about God speaking today. If I, if I, if I would do that, I, I could still hold classes on it. I could still pray for the sick and all of that, but just don't mention it in sermons. And so I'm walking into the office one day, and I'm thinking, you know, I have two kids in college. I have two kids at home, and, um, you know, this, this provides for my family, this church, this job. Maybe I should just play it safe. Maybe I should just give in and play it safe. That's, what, that's the thought that came to my mind. And immediately, the Lord spoke to me and said this. He said, there's no safe way to play it safe. And for me, that's a profound thing because I, by nature, I don't, I don't look like it looking at me. Um, uh, Robbie Dawkins says I look like a cop. And... Uh, <laughs> We were out ministering to drug dealers and stuff like that at the time. And uh, he said, they're probably not going to trust you because you look like a cop. But <laughs> by nature, I'm a risk taker. And, um, and so when the Lord said that, there's no safe way to play it safe, I just knew, well, okay, I, I can't do that. That's, we're not, I'm not going to try to do that. And I want to tell you, as a church, and as leadership team, we lean into risk. We do. We lean into risk. We don't try to be foolish, but we do lean into risk. And most churches that I've been associated with want to lean away from risk. And that just does not create a good, healthy, forward-looking, outwardly focused environment. And so we have a tendency to lean into risk. And so when you lean into risk, sometimes you end up, I mean, we could have gone along the edge of the shore, avoid the storm, but you'd be avoiding life as well. And we, we could have avoided the storm that way, but uh, it's not what God's called us to be as a church. And so, so we're sailing right across the lake, and there is a storm. And um, here's the cool thing, that Jesus came to them. You know, what he told them was, you sail across the lake. I'll meet you on the other side. That's what he told them. But now he's up on the mountain praying, and he can see the lake and the way the whole thing is set up. You know, he was able to look right down on the lake and see that they were in the middle of a big storm and all the trouble they were facing. And so rather than meeting him on the other side of the lake, he walks across the water. And they get to see him walking on water. So one of the cool things about being in a spot like this is you get to see Jesus do really cool things. And so, yeah, isn't that good? But the thing is, he said, I'll meet you over there, but he met them right in the middle of the problem. And um, they got to see that. They got to see one of their own walk on water. They got to see Peter walk on water too. So that's pretty cool stuff. And you know that part about Peter sinking into the waves and he cried out to the Lord and the Lord you know, took his hand. Uh, maybe you've never thought about this, but it's not like Jesus, is, he's on top of the water and Peter sunk down into the water with his head bobbing up and down and Jesus grabs him by the hand and kind of drags him through the water back to the boat. That's not what I envision happening. He took Peter by the hand 
and he pulled him back up on top of the water. And they walked back to the boat together. And so when I saw all of this, and, and I was thinking through, uh, you know, the, the kind of like the um, uh, introspective thinking and stuff like that, it really, uh, really relieved me and gave me peace about this whole thing, that um, this, this is where we are. We need to tell you about it because it's only right that you know about it. And um, the, the boat is not going to capsize. It's not going to happen. And, uh, we, you know, we have a budget we've set that is a very stringent budget. Uh, we can live with it, but it would be so much better if we had more. And, and, and honestly, the, the, the ability to have uh, cash operating funds so you can just pay your bills when they come in. You don't have to, you don't have to say, well, we've got to wait till next week's offering to pay that or to do that. It creates a lot of stress in the whole system. And um, so... Um, Draw this to a conclusion, I think. You know, giving, as believers, giving should not be about need. I mean, in, in, in some respects it is. I mean, we all come here because we like the place. And we all know what costs money. The building costs money. To pay for the building, the lights, everything, have a staff. We know that. So there's just a real practical side to it. But giving should be, be uh, really based upon the fact that as a disciple of Jesus, I want to do what he did. Remember, we're talking about discipleship and how uh, if Jesus is my rabbi, then I'm going to fashion my life after him. And he gave everything for the church. He left heaven, left the riches of heaven, came to earth and gave his life for the church to advance the kingdom of God on the earth. And so as a disciple of his, then I am going to be walking in greater joy and effectiveness and power when I bring that part of my life in line with his life. That's what a disciple does. And, and so giving should just be a joy. It's something we should do with joy. And, um, you know, we, we do think giving is just some basic issues around it. And by the way, if, if you're new here, um, yep, sorry you came this day. Come back another day, okay? <laughs> Unless you're good with all of this, and then that's good. Uh, but if, you know, if you're here and, and you haven't been giving, you just don't know about it, or you haven't hit that point in your life where you've started giving, you look around the room, there are a lot of people here who give really, really well. And I just want to say thank you to all of you uh, who give sacrificially and gave sacrificially through the whole season of COVID. It was amazing. And uh, we really appreciate that. But uh, we believe giving should be, um, uh, first of all, a percent, based on a percentage of my income not waiting till the end of the month to see what I have left or not. Uh, you know, one month this, another month that, another month that. It should be, in my heart, I should be coming up, you know, I'm going to give 5% or I'm going to give 10%. 10%, there's biblical precedent for that. I wouldn't say it's a law, but there is biblical precedent for that. But it should be percentage-based, so it's consistent. And then it should be consistent, and it should be sacrificial. Uh, it, it should be Jesus I really like this, but I love you more, so I'm going to give this up so I can join with you as your disciple in giving to advance your kingdom on this earth. And so those three things are three core parts of our whole philosophy here of giving. But um, yeah, for right now, let me, let me just end this all by saying that uh, an, an input of cash would be really helpful for our system.
And again, the boat's not going to capsize, but it will really be helpful for our overall system if we had more cash uh, come in. And I, I just ask everyone to pray about it. Just take it seriously before God, because God speaks to you, and, um, and, and listen to what he says. Something Lori and I will do at times is we'll both come up with a number when we're going to give a special offering, and then whoever has the higher number, we give that. And uh, for the person that came up with a lower number, uh, you know, too bad. But uh, as a husband and wife, that's just a good way to do it, I think. But um, uh, pray about this. You know, some of us, you know, probably just can't give any more than we're giving. I'm sure I know that. And this is not like to make anyone feel guilty or anything like that. But, but some of us can give far more. And one suggestion, someone suggested, one of my trustees suggested that we just present this idea that if everybody gave an additional month of offering, like let's say I give $1,000 a month, then, well, I'm going to give my normal 1000 but I'm going to give another 1000 and spread it out over two or three or four months even so that it's not like, you know, crashing my whole budget in this, this month. Then if that happened, then that would replenish our emergency fund and our cash operating fund would be in good shape too. So would you pray about that with me? Would you just pray about that with me? And, um, and just so you know, I'm not going to ask you to do something that Lori and I would not do ourselves. So what we're going to do is give two months. And, um, uh, and we're just going to give two months of what our normal off monthly offering would be. And, uh, and I, I just really do believe it's wrong for me to ask you to do something that I'm not willing to do myself. But uh, pray about this with me. Um, we're, you know... We're going to see God do exciting things. He is doing exciting things. And uh, there's, there's just so much great stuff coming down the road for this church body. Let's pray together, okay? Father, uh, we come to you with, with thankfulness. We're thankful for the fact that we're all sitting here. We've all eaten, in, at least in the last day or so. And uh, we all had a, a way to get here today. So we thank you for all of that. Thank you for your provision in our lives. Thank you for this church body, Lord, and the people who are here who have locked arms together to say uh, we're going to worship Jesus together, we're going to grow together, and we're going to advance the kingdom of God together. And we just we lift this need to you, Lord, and ask you to meet it. We know you will. We trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Now, um, before we go on, we are having our Kingdom Pursuit Conference again in two weeks. It's, it's just right around the corner, yeah. So we're going to watch this video once again, and then I'll be back up uh, to introduce the rest of the service. In the Old Testament, if you touch the leper, you got sick. In the New Testament, if you touch a leper, they get healed. simply means sphere of influence where the king reigns. If you look at Acts chapter 1, Jesus talked about the kingdom of God. And then on one occasion, he said, don't leave till you get the power of the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is in the Holy Spirit. No matter if you're three years old or 50, no matter if you've been in Christ for five days or 50 years, our mandate as sons and daughters is to carry the Father to the world.
We have a, a, an amazing lineup of speakers. Uh, just, just to come in here, Steve Backlund is going to be an amazing thing. We have the Upper Room from Dallas, Texas is going to lead worship Friday night and Saturday night. And uh, you can come just those nights if you want to. There's, um, you can uh, just come. Uh, there's a per session price pricing as well as for the whole conference. So you might want to come and bring a friend for that if you can't come to the rest of the conference. What we're going to do right now is uh, follow up with talking about discipleship. And uh, the last few weeks, uh, Wilson gave a message three weeks ago on discipleship where he said a disciple is someone who learns to hear God's voice, so we listen. A disciple is someone who obeys God's voice, so we live out what, what he's speaking to us. And then a disciple is someone who shares what God's doing in their life with other people. And uh, we, we saw then last week, I talked about the heart of a disciple. And the heart of a disciple focuses on love for Jesus first, not, not allowing other things to crowd in and, uh, and take my attention away from Jesus. He is my first love. And today, what I want to do is uh, we're going to watch a video, actually, that Lori made with the woman that led her to the Lord and then initially discipled her. And what I want you to notice in this video, uh, a Zoom, it was a Zoom call that they recorded. What I want you to notice in this is how the discipler trusted God to work in Lori's life. And, and we've said this, that Jesus said, if you love me, you obey my commands. And he's the only one that could say that. So when you and I disciple someone, we're not trying to, in a heavy-handed way, control their life. What we're trying to do is help them learn to hear Jesus speak, uh, to, to have them then obey, and have, help them to learn how to share it, it with others. And so this video, it's um, the woman that led Lori to the Lord was working with a group called The Navigators. That's a campus uh, organization focused on discipling. And Lori mentions, or yeah, she mentions the great Blondin. And just so you understand what that is, the great Blondin was a uh, acrobat who was walking across Niagara Falls on a cable. And he took a, um, a wheelbarrow across, you know, pushing a wheelbarrow on the, car, on, the, on the cable. And then he asked the crowd, do you think I could do this with a person in it? And they all cheered. And then he said to someone there, well, will you get in? And that guy said, no way. So Lori makes reference to that. It's an illustration that is used to show what it really means to trust Jesus. Okay. So, uh, Father, we just open our hearts to receive from you through this discussion, conversation Lori had with Mary Lou. And speak to us now, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. So let's run it. Okay, everybody, I want to introduce you to my, my spiritual mother. This is Mary Lou Marshall, and, uh, and she is Zooming with me from Atlanta, Peachtree City, somewhere down south. And we first met... Um, it was, a, it was in college, Emory University. Mary Lou was training someone how to evangelize. There's Kip in the background, that's her husband. <laughs> and, okay. Wait, yeah. yeah. And um, Mary Lou, tell me, how did you end up coming into my dorm that spring 
I don't know, was it January or February? When was it? 1971. Yeah, I don't know the season. Um, what the situation was is I was, I was with the Navigators. I was in a girls' ministry, and we actually lived in a girls' kind of apartment, and we were trained very specifically by the NAV leaders. So I felt like I was being trained by a lot of Pauls and Peters and, you know, just discipleship. Um, and they were just really challenging us girls, you know, to, to really find people that had hearts for God and teachable spirits and to truly disciple them. The NAV ministry. That's really great, Mary Lou, because this is the topic of Van's message. It's all about discipleship. So you're, you're getting us right there, right away. Go for it. And their feeling was uh, they always looked at the NAV ministry, always looked at their ministry as the ones that, you know, like Jesus had 12 disciples, but he had three inner circle. And so the navigators always go for the three, the inner circle, whereas they see like places like Campus Crusade for Christ, Youth for Christ, they go for the 12 or they go for the, the larger groups, you know, the ones that they fed, the feeding of the 5,000. But the navs always, always concentrated on you find those three and you really feed your life into those three. You know, which means that you have breakfast, lunch, and dinner with them if you need to. You invite them over to see where you are, where you live, what you do, because you live in front of them, and that that is the most important thing to do. Perfect. So uh, I had had uh, a ministry where I was teaching Bible studies, and my day job actually was I worked at Georgia Retardation Center during the day, and I was a special ed a supervisor. So I supervised uh, special children's ministries during the day. And at nighttime, I was all the navigators. My weekends and my nights were all the navigators. However, they wanted to utilize me. Uh, and so anyway, um, I had had a Bible study with some girls and, and they just, you know, weren't those three and they just kind of went off and did their own thing. So they challenged me to just, since my, my gifts were in evangelism, to lead the other girls in evangelism, to help them find their three. And uh, because they were very frightened about evangelism. I've always been kind of a bold child, you know? Uh, and so I, I had no problem knocking on the door and meeting new people and everything. I, and I loved it. I couldn't wait to see who God would bring into our lives. I didn't have a problem with the door slamming in my face. I prayed for them as I walked along. No problem. So they wanted me to pass those gifts on to some of the girls who were very frightened. And uh, uh, so so uh, anyway, I came to your door and and I had was encouraging the girl, you know, what to do and everything. Don't worry, I'll be right here. I'll be praying for you while you talk to them. If you need me, I'm here. So we knocked on the door and I kind of pushed her in front of the door and stood back. And it was your roommate that answered the door. And uh, she started, uh, started uh, talking to her and her, your roommate was very receptive. We used a, a um, uh, evangelistic tool called the bridge and uh, she started into it and uh, got halfway there and your roommate jumps up and says, oh, my roommate has got to hear this. And out the door, she, she darts. 
well, the girl kind of fell apart. You know, <laughs> she kind of fell in my arms and what do I do now? Do I start all over? You know, when she comes back, what do I do? And I said, no, 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 no. You just go where you are. I'm going to go take her roommate on the other bed and we will talk and I'll be, just know, I'll be praying for you. Don't worry. I'll be listening to you with one ear. If you need me, I'm right here. You know, don't worry. So then you came back into the room and we went on the other bed and started talking. Nice. Uh, I remember that. I remember so well sitting on my bed. And just to let you guys know that I had been in a, a relationship. I had been engaged to be married and I was I felt very guilty about my physical relationship with my um, fiance. So I broke the engagement and I remember kneeling beside my bed going, oh God, help me. I've made a mess. I really need you to send someone to me. And I, I prayed that maybe a month, not much more than that. So it could have been, this could have been around February because I think I broke up in January. And, and so um, I didn't realize it at the moment that God was answering my prayer, but he definitely sent you to me. And I remember you sharing the bridge with me. And I remember you sharing um, the illustration of the great Blondin that walked across the, the mm -hmm. tightrope. Mm -hmm. And he said to the Prince of Wales, why don't you get in the wheelbarrow and I'll take you across? And the Prince of Wales says, no, I'm not going over the Niagara Falls on a tightrope in, in a wheelbarrow. And so that's when um, the Lord really challenged me. And I thought, this is serious stuff. This is life and death stuff. And um, I, I don't know if you remember, but Mary Lou, I just said, I'm not ready to make any decisions but you very graciously said well would you like to meet together and it was like ah oh, someone to talk to and that just that filled my heart filled my boat to know that you were willing to talk to me and so i remember that we set up a date and you introduced me to a, a bible study about who is jesus and i was just amazed that jesus knew me because he experienced being a human being. And by the time we got to the third, um, the third lesson, and I realized what he had done for me, you invited me to a meeting in Stone Mountain, Georgia. And that's where I've told the story many times where Skip Gray looked at me and said, it's not me you're rejecting. When I said, I hope I haven't offended you. And that's when you um, were praying for me and we, um, and I bawled my head out and said, Mary Lou, I need to trust Jesus. So what do you remember about that? Well, um, first of all, I will say, and I'll preface it with, in the meantime, while we were meeting and everything and, and right before, you know, I invited you to do some Bible studies with me and to meet with me. God had just really dealt with my heart and had told me that in discipleship, I was not to give you my opinion. I was not to tell you where I was. I was not to tell you where I had been and where I was going because this was all about you and the Lord. 
but it was also God's, you were God's, you know, you belong to God, you know, you didn't belong to me, you know, not to get possessive of you, you know, your, your um, walk with the Lord was not dependent upon me. It was dependent upon Jesus. So therefore, I was just to be the finger that pointed to the word of God for you. And that's why it was so easy for me when you said, oh, I'm not ready, I'm not ready. I said, okay, let's just meet together. Let's see what God says about this. Let's see what, what he has to say, because I don't know what he's going to say. It is so individual. When we are growing in the Lord, I have no idea what he's going to tell you. I know what he tells me in the word of God, but what is he going to tell you? How exciting this is going to be to open it up and see what he tells you. And I'll learn along with you. And that was my whole feeling was how to learn with you. And even when he did open up my mouth and I said something to you, I learned as much as you did. Because it really, the Holy Spirit, when you do that, the Holy Spirit takes you over and uses you as a vessel. And I, and I, I tell you, people, if they do this, you know, walking along with the Lord, they'll learn four times more than what they're giving out to people. It'll be, wow, that was for me. That was for me. You know how when God talks to you and you felt like it was for you and I felt like it was just as much for me. That's the thing, Mary Lou, is that you would share scripture and it just seemed like it was just part of the conversation. It was never like, let's turn to the Bible. It was just like all this wisdom was coming out of your mouth that was just spoke to me right when I needed to hear it. And I was just amazed because it didn't feel religious. It didn't feel Sunday schoolish. And I had been raised in the church and I had watched Billy Graham like countless times. So I, I've, I've heard the religious, you know, tone, not that to not Billy Graham, but um, I was, I just really knew that there was something um, more than just you speaking that it was really, I didn't know it was the Holy Spirit, but I knew it was God. That's right. That's right. And, and, uh, and I just, and when I took you to see Skip Gray, uh, he just happened to be doing, uh, doing a, um, a little um, invite over to his house. And it was really one of the first times he had done that. He did not do that very often. So this was like a miracle of timing. Because, and when I, when they said, well, offer it to some of your girls, uh, let them come. And he had never done that before, you know, because he was the national director. So he would travel an awful lot. He wasn't our direct one. He was, our direct person was Don Lanier. And over that was Skip Gray. So the only time I had seen Skip was when I was cleaning his oven one time. And I'll tell you a, a little joke about Skip. Uh, to show you who Skip was, uh, because I had a master's degree in education and I was in cleaning his oven one day. Um, he, he moved up his chair and stuck his head in with me in the oven. And he said, Mary, he said, I know you've got a master's degree and I just appreciate so much you being with the girls in ministry. And he said, um, don't worry. I know it's hard for you to think about cleaning my oven. And then he whispered in my ear and he said, but Josh McDowell cleaned my bathrooms. <laughs> and this is what the NAVs do. 
they work on your servant heart first. Yeah. You're there to serve. And so you, I would fold laundry for the families. I might take care of their children. But it was wonderful because you were also seeing the way they lived. Yeah. You were in, you would, they were discipling you the way they wanted you to disciple others. That was perfect. So Mary Lou, we don't have a whole lot more time. What is it that you would want to pass on to our congregation about discipleship? Um, I think you've said a lot. Uh, is there anything else that you'd like to share? Yes, one thing. I was also praying when I was praying about a girl who had a heart for God and a teachable spirit. I was studying in the Bible the relationship between Paul and Timothy. Mm -hmm. And that I would challenge everybody to do, to just look at the relationship with Paul had his Timothy. And yeah. you look at Paul's ministry and you say, wow, he, he ministered to everybody. The guards that were, that were attached to him, everybody. But he had this very special relationship with Timothy where he was truly discipling him. And you're my Timothy. I had asked the Lord for Timothy and he gave me you. Wow. Well, that's something that you gave me um, a vision for, is always asking God, who can I influence? Who can I reach out to? Who have you called to me to um, disciple? And I've, I've had that on my heart and I've seen different people come along and it's been you know very special to have relationships that you really feel God's anointed and brought along the way but to me you are the most special relationship that i could ever have and i just love you and thank god for you so thank you so much for sharing it's such a joy to see you and our you know this was 1971 no i i trusted jesus april 24th 1971 and just another story that we forgot to share was at this time we were talking, I had told you that I was thinking about traveling through Europe and my sister was taking me, but my ex fiance was also going and invited me to go with him. And I, and I was trying to decide what should I do? And so I told you about that. And um, you told me the other day that you had, given me a Bible study on holiness and purity. And you weren't, you were just trusting God was gonna to speak to me. But I remember so clearly going to your apartment and we read Romans eight together. And I remember crying, just feeling God's love. And I didn't feel any condemnation, just love, love, love. Nothing could separate me from his love but I knew that that was your way of confronting me and saying, is this really a smart thing to meet your ex-fiance in Europe? And um, that's what really made me think about it seriously, that this is not a wise thing to do. And it was just the Holy Spirit and scripture, but he used you to confront me with my own um, immaturity and yeah all that jazz so thank you so much for showing me how to be confronting a friend in love and i'll always be thankful for that 
oh no, oh no, oh no, because that's what you feel. But inside the Lord was saying, what do I want to do with her concerning this? And so when we read through the scriptures and I gave you the Bible study, I said, give me your applications and I'll pray over them and we'll see what God says about it. So then when you broke down, I said, what is God telling you? And then you told me, and I said, then you must obey him. If he's telling you that, you must obey him. That's right. That's right. So that's him talking to you and not me saying, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. Because as a, it, as with any parent, you know, you're going to want to do what they don't, what they tell you not to do. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's our human nature. And I've learned with my own children to try to do that too, to listen and see what God is doing in their lives. Wow. You, just the few months we had together were life-changing. Thank you so much. It's, it's great to still have you as my friend and my spiritual mother over all these years. I love you. Love you. Love you so much. Yeah, I, I just, I, list, I watched that and I just thought what an amazing example of what we're trying to teach regarding discipleship. And the whole thing that made that work was Mary Lou's incredible love for Lori. And so uh, we're going to end our service now. Would you stand with me? I think this will be on, uh, online, either on YouTube or um, Facebook. And uh, you know what? I'd encourage you to do what I did the other day. I listened through this and I wrote down all the, the things that I heard Mary Lou say, like uh, Lori belonged to God, not her. And you'll discern some really good principles if you do that. So, uh, prayer team, would you make your way down, please, down to the front? And if you want prayer for anything, for healing, if you, if you just want to find a Timothy, come on down here and let one of these prayer team members pray with you that God will lead you to someone that's really hungry to know him. But Father, we are so thankful for your goodness. We thank you for the amazing way you work in our lives. Thank you for how you worked in Lori's life and for bringing uh, just a, a woman of real wisdom into her life to lead her to Jesus and then help her take her first steps as a, a new believer and really set the course of life for her. Thank you for that, Father. I pray uh, for every person here to hear you speak and then to just obey what you say. In Jesus' name, amen.